Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. And especially if you're visiting with us today, that we're so glad that you're here with us. There is a friendship pad on each pew. It should be near the center aisle. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you're a regular or whether you're visiting today. There's also an announcement sheet called The Connections that you'll find inside the bulletin. You'll notice that our wonderful parish nurses are doing blood pressure checks right after this service. They will be in the prayer room, which is just behind this wall, and you're welcome to make your way over there and have your blood pressure checked. We also have our Bible study at 10 o'clock up in Hills Hall. It is upstairs above the Rose Garden. They will be studying the Matthew passage that will be the sermon this morning, too. So you can dig more deeply into that passage if you would like to. Our parish Sunday is two weeks from today. That's a chance to meet your deacons and also the other people in your parish. It's a wonderful social hour after each service over in Tankersley Hall. Great way to get to meet other people in the congregation. You'll also see that this Friday, you have an opportunity to hear Tom Fay talk about the Donner Party. He is a descendant of that uh, tragically stranded group in American history and California history. And we will be having a potluck dinner that evening. You do need to sign up today or within the next couple of days in order to come to that so we get a count. And if you're looking for a way to meet other people in the congregation, we have uh, one of our awes, that's at-home hospitality hour, coming up this winter. It is in three weeks at the Jensen's home. You can sign up on the patio today. It's just an evening. The only agenda is to get to know other people and to be able to kind of hang out together and have a great time. So if you're wanting to meet more people, that is a wonderful chance to do it. And you can sign up today on the patio. Our women's retreat is in March, and it is signing up. It is now just over half full, so I urge you to move along and get signed up for that. There are brochures on the uh, patio cart that you can use to sign up, or you can just go online to do that. Candy Blankman is our speaker, and Candy is always just wonderful. She always says things I never would have thought of. She just is so insightful. I really love listening to her, and I think you will too. Uh, this Saturday is the service in celebration of the life of Judy Stewart, and you are invited to join us here at 1 o'clock. Because we are in Lent, um, we also have at each door today the Lenten devotionals. These are built on quotes from C.S. Lewis. Mercy, passion, and joy are our themes throughout uh, in this devotional. And you'll also find that there is a bookmark there about fasting and feasting. If you didn't get one of these on Ash Wednesday, you'll probably want to pick one up at either door today on your way out. They are complimentary. And also, I see that the flowers today are for the 26th anniversary of Darlin and Ken Cornelison. So we want to congratulate them. Congratulations to them. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Join me in prayer. Lord God, this morning we celebrate your faithfulness to us. We reflect upon the long history of your people. You've been so patient and kind, and you have guided your people, and so you have led us to this place this morning. And we come into your presence. We come to celebrate your faithfulness, to give thanks to you, to respond with total devotion from the depths of our hearts. Bless us now as we serve you and worship you 
and prepare ourselves for our continued journey in the world. We ask in your name. Amen. psalmist calls us to worship this morning. Let us join together in our responsive call to worship from Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Truly, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. So church, let us stand as we sing and praise God together.
as we continue in worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from the song, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. Weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you. Jesus, ready, stand. 
when we stand in the living presence of truth, our own falsehood is revealed. People of God, let us acknowledge who we are and ask the ever-present God to forgive us. Let us pray. You have called us to be the church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and confused world. Yet, Yet we, we acknowledge, acknowledge we are more apathetic than, than active. We are more isolated than involved. We are more callous than compassionate. We are more obstinate than obedient. We are more legalistic than loving. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives to a broken world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit as we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them and to our God that he may abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And, as, and, and, so my, and, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
Come now to the reading of the Gospel, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, one of the great missionary texts of the New Testament, in which Jesus is commissioning His disciples to go forth in His authority and power to represent the kingdom, to represent Him. And uh, it is tr truly one of the thrilling passages in the New Testament. I want to read from selected verses, Matthew 10, beginning verse 1. Then Jesus summoned His twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. And then He named the twelve. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. In verse 16, See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father is child, and children will, will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. 
For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we come into your presence this morning. We bring our hope, our joy, our anxiety, our fears with us. We come to learn how to live in this world, to be your faithful people, to reflect your image, to do the mission that you have entrusted to your church. Anoint us now anew in the power of your word and spirit. We ask in your name. Amen. We all represent someone, and we symbolize those whom we represent in many different ways. And some of us like to parade with those symbols on our T-shirts and our hats. I have a habit of, of collecting baseball caps wherever I go, or cities where I've studied, or would like to study, or some place that might be important to me that might say that I was important, or build my self-esteem and confidence. We've come to the place in my house now that uh, we are facing a dilemma of what to do with the hats and the shirts. <laughs> We've tried to hang them on the wall, we've tried to hang them on the back of the door of my office. We've stacked them in the office in the closet. And now the ultimatum, I'm afraid, is about ready to come from the power above. We need to get rid of some hats and shirts. But I like these things. When I was in Oxford, I looked for a long time to find just the right hat that would symbolize Oxford University. I brought it home, had it for a few years, preserved it. It was wonderful. The dog got hold of it and nearly destroyed it. And then when I was in Cambridge, discovered there were all kinds of colleges. I didn't know there were over 20 colleges associated with Cambridge University. 
And one of them is named Jesus College. And when I saw the hat, I had to have it. It was a beautiful blue, dark blue hat. And emblazoned on the front of it was the name of Jesus in bright red. And then I got it home and I put it on to walk the dog and I realized I'd probably have to give answer to some of my neighbors about what's the significance of that hat. I'd already had to answer for the double T in Texas Tech and some of the other hats that I have, and I, I knew it could be awkward. I'm not a bumper sticker kind of guy. With a Jesus sign on my rear bumper, I've been blown off the freeway too many times. But guys with Jesus signs on their car are crosses, only to fly by and to flip me off in the process. <laughs> Ever have that experience? Nevertheless, there's something about a childlike attitude and spirit within every one of us. We'd like to dress up and symbolize whatever power we have from wherever we have accumulated it. I was um, really touched by the Super Bowl commercial. It showed the little boy walking around his house and his Yard dressed up like Darth Vader. He's a tiny little six-year-old Darth Vader. He had the Darth Vader helmet on. Couldn't see his face. He had a black cape on. He had a lightsaber in his arm, in his hand. And then his imagination and in his fantasies, he believed he was Darth Vader, and he had harnessed the power of the Force and maybe had gone over to the dark side. So he walked around the yard, and he stretched out his hands in front of the family treadmill, said something, tried to mobilize the power of the Force to turn the treadmill on. Nothing happened. And then he walked over to the family dog who was just wakening from sleep. He put his hands and his arms out like this and tried to cast some sort of a spell on the dog. And the dog just looked in mild curiosity and didn't move. His mom called him to lunch in the kitchen and she had the sandwich prepared on the kitchen cabinet. And it was some distance from him. And he sat there trying to use the power of the force to move the sandwich down the cabinet toward him, and lo and behold, again, he failed. And he was really frustrated. Ate the sandwich, went outside. His dad had arrived and parked his new VW Passant in the driveway right in front of the living room window. And they watched this little guy walk up to the new car, put his arms out in his hands, and he was casting a spell on that car. Who knows what he was trying to do? What he didn't know was that Dad had the remote control and the keychain in the house. <laughs> and as he was doing that, Father pushed the buttons, and the lights came on, and the engine started, and the little boy nearly jumped out of his Darth Vader outfit. <laughs> we represent many powers in our world. Some of us are fashion statements. 
Others of us are just purely relaxed, Laguna Beach casual. But Jesus had called his disciples like he's called each one of us. To represent not the dark side, the powers of the dark side of the cosmos, but to represent him. And he chose the twelve, and he named them disciples, and he named them apostles. And he said he was doing this in order to send them out into the world. But in going out on Jesus' mission to represent Jesus, he warned them that they had joined up to a household in which they had a new teacher and a new master. And if the powers of the world had called the master, the teacher, Jesus, Beelzebub, our Satan, our devil, what might they say to those who represented him in the world? He said, I'm going to be with you, but you need to understand that my life is a model for what may happen to you. You may be drugged between, dragged between kings and queens and called into the councils of the world. You may be chased from one town to another. You may be persecuted. And indeed, you may have to suffer because you represent me. If they treated me in that way, if they called me the devil, then they are likely to call you the devil. Indeed, we read the rest, we read the story of Jesus. He knew already the powers were plotting his death. As we move toward Holy Week, we remember that he was moving toward Jerusalem. He'd set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he knew that when he arrived, that he would be rejected and suffer and die, and on the third day be raised. And he said, if this is the if this is the journey of my life, it is likely to be your journey as well. And you need to be prepared and not intimidated by the world. And there are many places around the world this day where it is dangerous to be a Christian, to belong to the church. And from time to time, something happens in our world to remind us of that, of the persecution of those who follow Jesus. It was reported in the newspapers this last week that finally indictments have been made against four of those who participated in in El Salvador in 1989 in the killing of the six Jesuit priests at the University of, of Central America. They were those who represented the values and the spirituality of the kingdom of God. They were representing Jesus and not only proclaiming the good news of the gospel, but, but by aligning themselves with the poor and the broken and the weak And so the power sent their death squad down to the University of Central America in the middle of the night, roused them from their dormitories, took them into the yard of the university and shot them to death in 1989. Just as it happened in 1980 
with Archbishop Oscar Romero because he had become too friendly with the people that Jesus loved and came to save. The world has a way of intimidating those who represent the values and the spirituality of the kingdom of heaven. Nevertheless, Jesus sought to prepare his disciples. And the word that he spoke to them was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to boldly live and proclaim the gospel in an intimidating world that has a spirituality and values that are in opposition to the kingdom of heaven. Don't be afraid. It had been as if Jesus had been whispering to his disciples in closed rooms about the, the truth of the kingdom of heaven. It was almost a messianic secret. He had The timing was everything for Jesus. He did not want anything to interfere with his destiny in Jerusalem. But now the time was right, and he was sending his disciples on this mission to proclaim, to teach, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. Can you imagine being entrusted with that kind of mission? Well, it's the very mission that Christ has given to us in the church to make a difference. We go into the world not as those who are shy and intimidated, but as those who have been called to boldly proclaim on the rooftops, to proclaim what we've heard in secret, what we've studied in Bible class, and Sunday morning and Wednesday evening, to let the world know through our lives and through our words and through our works that we belong to the kingdom and that we represent Jesus Christ. We may not have a hat on or a T-shirt, but we belong to Him. And he's claimed us and entrusted us with the message of the kingdom of heaven. Be bold. And then he said something that was absolutely startling and radical. He said, don't be afraid of dying. Don't be afraid of anyone who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. I'll tell you who to be afraid of. Fear the one who can kill your body and soul and cast both into the hell of fire. That's who you ought to fear. In these words, Jesus speaks directly to me and to every one of us. I don't know about you, but I try to take care of this body that God gave to me. Sometimes I do that pretty well, other times not so well perhaps. But it's a part of our stewardship responsibility of the creation. I am not packing up my bags today to travel to Syria and run the risk of being decapitated because I'm a Christian. But I know that some have taken that journey in Texas a couple of weeks ago, my cousin told me about his dad and his mom, something I did not know. They were responsible for leading me to Christ in many ways. 
by the way they lived their lives and the conversations that we had as when I was growing up as a little kid. He said, my parents were really close friends with Jim Elliott, the missionary who flew in that small missionary aviation plane into the jungles of Ecuador to share the knowledge of the love of God with the Aka Indians. And there the Indians killed them. Later converted those folks, that tribe, to Christ. A great story of missionary outreach. We need to be sensitive to what the true danger is. Don't fear anyone who can just kill your body. Fear the one who can cast your body and soul into hell. There are many forces in our world. Jesus confronted them who want nothing more than to destroy our souls. And Satan thought he had won over Jesus by killing him, body and soul, on the cross, only to discover that God had raised him on the third day and God in Christ had made atonement for the sins of the world in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wherever they traveled, as disciples, as witnesses to Jesus, as they made a bold witness, they had to deal with their mortality, just like we do. And then Jesus said, just trust God. And he spoke almost a little parable that has haunted me. Maybe it will you. He said, two sparrows are sold for one penny. Not a sparrow falls from heaven apart from the Father. You belong to God. That's a word of comfort. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Always remember that the very hairs on your head are numbered. They are counted. For some of us, that's not much of a problem for God. It's almost like saying, He's got the stars numbered and counted. He's got the grains of the sand on the seashore. He knows every flower and butterfly and everything belongs to God and it's in Him that we live and move and have our being and we're a part of this creation created in the image of God. And God knows us even as he knows the sparrows. He has our hair counted on our heads. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is the very comfort that we need as we move into the world to do the mission. We see this in so many ways. When I was working my way through the Ignatian prayer exercises, praying scripture, meditating, 
seeking to discern the course of my life. One of the great things that I learned in that program was that God is keeping me alive one day at a time so that I may serve his project in the world. I don't know why I'm still living and others of my friends are not. Life's a mystery in that regard. But it has given such confidence and assurance to me that this day, this moment belongs to the Lord and I'm held secure in his arms and I'm alive serving his purpose. And when I've finished serving that purpose, he'll take me to be with himself. I've always been haunted by that last sermon that Martin Luther King Jr. preached in Memphis the night before he was assassinated. It was a spellbinder. He had not wanted to go to that assembled congregation there to bring encouragement to the garbage collectors in Memphis. He didn't feel well, but he went. He preached perhaps one of the greatest sermons he'd ever preached. He was a 39-year-old Baptist preacher. And he said, over the years, he says, I have known a lot of people who were up in age. And he says, I've learned that longevity is something to be desired. But the tragedy of human life is, I have known many 80 years old who have been dead for the last 50 years. How tragic it would be to suddenly stop living spiritually at 30 and not be alive to anything that's important for the next 50. I want to be alive. And what King was saying in that moment is, I'm alive. I don't know whether I'm going to get into the promised land or not. God has taken me to the mountaintop like Moses, and I've seen the promised land. And I know that God's promises and the future of justice and righteousness in the world is one day going to be filled and fulfilled. I may not get there with you, he said, but it's all right. Because in this very moment, I know I belong to God in Christ and I am serving His purpose. I'm so grateful to have lived a life that is filled with so many blessings from God that I cannot even begin to count them. One of the teachers and philosophers and theologians is touched my life so much was Dallas Willard. Had the privilege of being with Dallas. He was a professor at USC, chair of the philosophy department there, Baptist preacher. Was with him on a number of occasions, read his books. If you've never read The Divine Conspiracy, I encourage you to do so. We went to Houston a few years ago to Renovar Conference uh, where he was one of the speakers and he spoke about this absolutely safe spiritual environment within which we live and therefore we ought have absolutely no fear of death. Because those who believe the gospel, their lives are held in God's hands. A few years ago, 
was having surgery the next day, and I, I got out the tape of that sermon he gave to prepare myself for that experience and listen to it again. And together with the divine conspiracy and those words about life and death in that book, I found my soul comforted and alive in that moment. And it was good. When I heard that Dallas Willard had contracted pancreatic cancer and would not live long, it shook me along with all of his friends. If it could happen to him, it could happen to me. So I paid close attention to John Ortberg's little, little book. He's the pastor of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, close friend to Dallas Willard. He wrote a book entitled Soul Keeping. And it was an analysis of the life and the writings and the witness of Dallas Willard, Ph.D. in philosophy, Baptist preacher, and the faculty of one of the great universities, teacher at Fuller Seminary, wonderful man, known for his humility, invited to meet with a group of men in our church in their Bible study after, while they were studying the divine conspiracy. Dallas took the time from his busy schedule to come and meet with us here small group of us, just to talk about his book. A man of God. John, in his book, journaled the last days, the life in the last days of Dallas Willard. He told the story that when Dallas was getting ready to make his transition from this world to the next, but there was only one close friend with him, a man named Gary. And he was recording the conversation. And the last words that Dallas spoke were these. Thank you. Thank you. And Gary said, he wasn't speaking to me. You know who he was speaking to. He's speaking to Jesus. Thank you. Life lived in humility and gratitude. Dallas had already said, you know, after I die, it may take some period of time for me to realize that I'm dead. Because life is a continuous experience of the reality of God. John Ortberg Ask himself, I wonder if Dallas knows yet. A couple of weeks ago, I was out with the dog again, top of the world, overlooking one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen. I have so many iPhone photos of sunsets, trying to capture that moment when the green light flashes behind Catalina. You, you ever had that experience? I haven't quite achieved it, but I've got some beautiful pictures. And I was standing there with my neighbors, two of my Jewish friends who are highly spiritual, who are out there every evening at sunset. 
And they were ecstatic at this sunset. And they began to share with me why they moved to Laguna Beach anyway when they discovered top of the world and the views from up there. Don't all of you come at once. <laughs> so we knew this was it. And we come out here every evening just to celebrate with joy the beautiful creation of another day. The man's wife said, you know, it really comes down to this, doesn't it? It comes down to gratitude. To thanksgiving for all the gifts that we have received. And he piped in and said, I'm the snarky one. And sometimes I get worried about corrupting my wife's gratitude with my snarkiness. And husbands and wives have a way of playing off against each other in that. But in that moment, I knew that was a witness to the truth that our lives are firmly built upon all the good gifts of God and nothing can separate us from His love. He created us for Himself. And for us to be together in the fullness of life in eternity. And it's an absolutely safe cosmos within which to live. And I'm still seeking to learn that. And to trust that. And to give my own life, my body and soul. To the God who loved me so much that he proved his love in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who died for my sins that I might live and has given me a life to serve him and so many relationships of love that I cannot count them. Thanks be to God. I hope when that day comes for me and I'll be able to make the transition with those words. Thank you. Thank you. You are so good. Pray with me. Lord, we're here this morning in your presence. And you've given us a mission to do. You're sending us into the world to share the good news and word and deed. And some of us are frightened. We live in a world in which there's so much chaos. We do not know what tomorrow may bring, but we know who holds every second and minute and day and week and month and year of our life. Help us in this moment to surrender ourselves to you, body and soul. May your perfect love drive out fear and make us whole. We pray in your name.
What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all arms Leaning, I'm leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrimage God of compassion, you watch our ways and you don't ever let us fall out of your loving arms. So we pray this day for those who serve you in the midst of danger, for those who are sick or who face death and all who tend them, for all who have a burden they cannot bear, for those who live in hunger and those who will not share their bread for those who are misunderstood and those who misunderstand, for those whose words of love are locked within their hearts and those who yearn to hear those words, for the names of these for whom we pray as we speak them aloud before you. Have mercy upon these, O God. Have mercy upon us all. And as we bring you these gifts, we ask that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world. Even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Apostle Paul's majestic words to the church, I have become absolutely convinced that there is nothing in life or death, no power above or below or upon the earth that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. His love is perfect, and perfect love cast out fear. Go forth free this morning to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. 